Here's a secret from Arm & Hammer for fresh-smelling cat litter. My name is Joanne. I have two kids, three cats, and I just tried Arm & Hammer Ultra Last Cat Litter, and it's been amazing. This litter is magic. It has just made my house smell cat-free. Ultralast has powerful odor destroyers, plus every granule is coated with baking soda to give you longer-lasting odor control, even if you miss a scoop. I'm definitely switching, and thanks to Arm & Hammer Ultralast, I can have my cats without the litter box smell. Switch today, be odor-free tomorrow. You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network, now the largest new media platform on the web, and your number one source for after-show entertainment. From the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Graceland After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Graceland After Show. Yeah, we are back. (laughs) I thought we were going to have our little EDM opener. Not today. We don't need that because we've got the amazing dramatic music from whatever movie that was. Whatever spy movie that happened to be. But, uh, sorry, we're coming to you late. We... Scheduling errors, we couldn't do it on time, but we're doing this episode. This is episode three, Heat Run. Julie Parton, why don't we stop, start this off? Episode three of a fantastic new show, Graceland, has been doing good in the ratings. Good. Great. I, I, some say great, but definitely good in the ratings. Like, we can secure ourselves probably seeing the rest of the season. And this episode is called Heat Run. As we learned last week, that means trying to lose the bad guys in the tail, right? Basically, yeah. Driving around, taking turns in different directions so that they don't know where you're going. Heat Run. So, Julie Parton, introduce yourself. I'm Julie Parton, of course. You can find me on Twitter at J-U-L-I-E-P-A-R-T-I-N. And this is my handsome co-host. Hello, I'm Stephen Lemieux. You can find me on Twitter at... S-T-E-P-H-E-N-L-E-M-I-U-X. And we're going to just jump right in this episode. we got to knock this out in about 40 minutes just for you guys, for the fans. And then we will also be back here this Thursday for the episode four. I think it's something about a pizza. I forgot. The, <laughs> pizza box or something like that. Forgot the, forgot we, the name of the episode. As we're watching the show, we realize it's a challenge to recap because these are so jam-packed. There is twists and turns and 20 plot lines all going on at once. And it's it just like we take a ton, tons and tons and tons of notes on these things. But um, another fantastic episode. Let's jump right into it. So I was wrong. Okay. Yeah, you were I wrong. I was wrong. Um, Julie was right. That was that was Mello in the same area as where Briggs puts the gun to Mike. We open up the episode with that one part where he's walking into the marina. Right. Marinas are always bad news. Remember this, TV. <laughs> and he puts the gun to Mike and then takes the other gun, puts both guns to Mike and jokes about it. And then kind of a bit. But he's like, who are you talking to? Because he sees... A water bottle sitting out like somebody had been there, and then he also sees people in the background. So did you think that Briggs pulled the gun on Mike because he had saw other people in the background? Or was he planning on pulling the gun to him and asking him who he'd been talking to? He, he did it because he saw the other people in the right. background. That's what I believe. Because it, it, it closed in cinematically on his eyes, seeing the aspects of what's in the mm-hmm. room that alerted him to the presence of other people aside from Mike. But he, I guess in the end, he went there with the intention to meet these guys and when the light switch didn't work that's when he went into okay i better do something that's like 
makes them not shoot first. They're going to ask questions first right. if they see somebody doing that. So it was pretty clever of Briggs because he really did want to ask Mike who you've been talking to. He probably wouldn't have done it with two guns to his head, but he did this so that he could get an opportunity to throw the guys off a little bit. And we do finally meet Bello. It's, who is it Bello or Mello? Bello, it's I thought. Bello, you're yeah. right. It is Bello. It, it, Bello, Bella. What, whatever it is they say with an accent. And I love this bad guy. I love bad guys with that particular accent. And I love bad guys that look hot in a suit. That, and Bella accomplished both. Oh, that's nice. So, <laughs> so he comes out. He's a very, he's another one of these villains that's very, very well put together. He doesn't like to get his hands dirty. Very, very Dufresne from uh, Breaking Bad. Very like that kind of villain. And he asks. He starts thinking that Mike's the guy who is the guy who sold him out. And then he asks uh, Eddie, "So you went on a heat run, right? You know, you did all those turns and things. Like again, they basically just shove you in, in your face. Like what a heat run is. Right? They did it last episode. They're doing it this episode. And he's like, "Yes, I did." And yes, like, well, I did. <laughs> then how did they? How did they know you were? I, I really thought Mike or Briggs would be like. Did you do the same heat run? I know. I felt like they were just going to scream, yell well, that out. So, so there was a moment there. Mike was accusing Briggs. Briggs was accusing Mike. And they were all doing it for show. And then very, very quickly there, they all turned it on Eddie. And this, this scene, for some reason, scared the crap out of me. Because I thought they were all going to stand in a circle and shoot Eddie. And I thought that's why he was giving the guns back. Why would you think that? I they don't turned know, the stove guys. on. I don't know. Why did he turn the stove on, though? He turned the stove... Oh, my... Ju- okay, so he turns the stove on. And this is an, it's an intimidation tactic. They wanted to get Eddie to confess okay. or to do something like that. It's very intimidating when you have somebody who you're in a prosecuting standpoint and you turn a stove on that has a can full of lead on the stove. That's what he asked like Mike. Like they're going to throw it on him? Yeah, like they're going to make... He put, the, put your gun down, Eddie. I thought they were going to be like, come over here and put your hand in this in this can. I thought they were going to have him dip his hand in boiling lead. Mm. Like, and then they th- then even uh, cinematically with the with when they cut the scenes, they have uh, Briggs screaming, "Yeah!" Well, they 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 cut that in such a way that as they're driving away from this warehouse, you hear the scream before you see Briggs, so you think that it's Eddie. De- I definitely thought they were going to start this episode out with something very disturbing. I thought Eddie was dead in that scene, and I thought it was going to be brutal. And it wasn't. It wasn't. Like, it just caught me off guard how they took me to such a suspenseful place so quickly, right off the bat. Well, they left you in a suspenseful place. So right. you immediately go back into that. When you get back, you're like, oh, this, this is what's happening. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So then they're in the car right afterwards, and like... He just had a gun pointed to the back of his head. He just had to play it off. Like, is, is, uh, you can call my officer uh, fielding. Like, who's fielding? Oh, it's my coach for football back in high school. And he, like, feels sick. Like, you know that feeling where, I mean, actors, of course, would know this. Like, when they go in for an audition and it's like, you feel fine, you feel fine. But then as you get closer and closer, he kind of, like, builds up and you're like, Bleh. Like, he's just like, mm-hmm. scream. Let all the energy out because what, what's happening right now is your body is focusing so much of its energy because you think you're going to have to use it, but you don't. So that's why so he's like, scream. Sh- scream this. and let it out. What we were shown again is that Mike, in tough situations, is good on his feet. He's good at improvising. He hasn't let us down in one of those situations yet, aside from hitting on the girls. He's a clutch player. <laughs> yeah. Anytime that we look at Mike, we think, gosh, he's new. He's going to blow it. He comes through. And his teammates, his, his fellow coworkers, don't always know that that's going to happen. No, and they, they love it when it does. But then they bring it right back down to that, like, 
uh, this is really awkward. And he's like, so, uh, so who did you think I was asking who you were talking to? Yeah. Uh, made it up, man. Yeah. <laughs> so that we picked off right where we left off from, from those two. And then there's not going to be any quick progression of that storyline, but there was a little bit more at the end of the episode. But pretty immediately after that moment where we see them releasing the aggression in the car, they finally met Bella. This is a big accomplishment for Briggs because he's been working this case for a while. We see all of them taking green shots together and a little bit of bonding happening. We should call it amnesia because I forget how bad it is. <laughs> so, but what we notice is that there's no Briggs and there's no Lauren when they're taking when they're taking all these shots and it cuts away and we see Lauren walks up to Briggs to talk. She talks about Danny or Donnie. Donnie got transferred to Miami because he's he's got a hit on him. He's essentially got a hit out on him. Mm-hmm. So they need to get him out of there. So Donnie's transferred to Miami and she wants to take um, Kuzminov out because Kuzminov is not forgetting about Donnie who put his brother in prison. So he's has things in the works. Mm. So Lauren, as we know, as we can see, as we can tell from past episodes, not letting this go. I don't and, like her so much. No, I don't think we're supposed to. And we don't, like, we well, really course. don't. But she said, I have a week to wrap this up. So she's getting desperate and she's getting reckless. And we didn't really find out how reckless until a little later on in the episode. Because she's able to convince Briggs that she has a good plan. And honestly, I think she thought it was a good plan. Yeah, but the, the, fir- same- the very first one. When somebody tells you that your cover is jeopardized and you have a week to get out of it, like, you should just not go back into that cover. Like, that's the kind of thing. Like, she was being reckless from the beginning. The very fact that she was wearing things that belong to this character, like, what's, what's she doing? She's wearing a bracelet that's unique to this character. Walking down the street, a Russian guy sees her. Oh, who are you? Blah, blah, blah. It starts it again. I mean... Honestly, I'd, I would err more on the side of, I got a week to get this done. My cover's blown here anyway. Pull all the stops. Yes, it's risky for her for her own safety. I wouldn't put Graceland in jeopardy for no reason. But if I was her and I was close to getting the job done this far, I might take the extra push to try to get it done. Yeah, so Briggs says he's helped. He helped. He's- well, it seems like a good idea, yeah. And so Briggs goes in there... Well, she, Cuts off the party. Yeah, she's like, they got a bunch of low-jack Lamborghinis coming in. This is what's going on. You know, let's take this semi For out. all the ladies out there, let's clarify what low-jack means. Do you know? I mean, I'm not... Sh- I do. There's two- what is it? It's a tracking... Well, yeah. They, <laughs> okay, so I thought there tracked? was something else, though. Like they, have, they put tracking devices in the Lamborghinis, sell them, steal them back, and then sell them again. There we go. That's so, what I needed to know. I didn't know what was special about these uh, Lamborghinis. But, so they go to do this thing. He calls all the FBI agents together. And we see this, this what they're going to do is stop the huge trucks with the cars on the inside with spikes. Simple well, enough. Yeah, they were going to stop the truck with spikes. They were going to SWAT team it up. But what they realize is that, and they're trying out new spikes. You know, they throw that out there. Oh, technology. Um, <laughs> they realize that there's no, there's no pressure on the suspension. The truck has... The tire pressure shows that the truck's empty. So yeah. Lauren's like, oh, my God, the truck's empty. No, it's not. There's still got to be something in this spikes truck. Spikes up, spikes down, spikes up, spikes down. Yeah, I'm so glad they didn't do that. I thought they were gonna. she was going to hit it again. And I was like. Honestly, that would have made a little more sense to me than running out in front of the big rig. No, they, just, they wanted to show how jeopardized she was. Like, yeah, she's desperate. She is desperate desperate to nail this team of people because she's in love with Donnie and she's really upset because since the moment that he was caught and exposed as an agent, her life hasn't been good. To quote another After Buzz TV, Lauren, girl, bye. 
<laughs> like seriously, she she's crazy. She is absolutely crazy. So the truck's moving too fast. We find out about that. Abort. She won't abort. She runs out in front of it, goes straight Terminator style. It stops. But she is an undercover agent for these Russians, and she walks right in front of a driver and takes him out of a car. What is wrong with you, Lauren? You... St- God. Yeah, she's she is desperate. And again, I will say, I, I don't know if I haven't gotten good at predicting what's actually suspenseful and what's not in this show or if it's thrown me off. I thought there was a good chance truck was going to hit her. I mean, it, I, it wasn't out of the realm of possibilities for me. Like, I was a little scared for her life. I think she is so reckless that her character life is in jeopardy right now. I really think it is. And if that had been the moment that she'd gone down, I wouldn't have been too surprised. Well, even at the end, Briggs tells her, like, no, you did this. Nobody did this to you. You did it to yourself. Right. Like, you've been doing it to yourself these or whole past three she? episodes. Well, yeah, she did. Um, so uh, then we get a little thing at the, of them at the bar. This is just leading up to something later with the undercover dating, never break a cover. You got to pick a profession they won't know about. And uh, let's let's go ahead and read off the professions that they they choose to use. Everybody has a different tactic for lying to the people that they want to date. Yep. So Paige likes to say a different thing every time. She likes to look at somebody and know exactly what they're not and just use something that would be so far from what they would know about. Hmm. So she's always like, oh, see that guy over here? Does he look like a cardiologist? No. Well, I'm a pharmacist. Let's play a little game. Let's say I was meeting Stephen in a bar and I said I'm an esthetician. Would you know a lot about that? You mean an anesthetician? No, an esthetician. No. Yes. There we go. I would have won. It's a facial person. Somebody who does facials. Are you saying I have bad skin on my face? Thank you, Julie. No, I look saying, like somebody who would not know what an I'm esthetician not, I'm, was. I'm saying you don't look like a foofy girl that gets facials all the time. You have a beard. Guys with beards don't get facials. What would your undercover thing be? Um, For, for you? For anybody. It, ha- it can be the same all the time. All right. Well, let's come back to it. Um, I, I got to think about it for a second. So Johnny's a pilot, or if they look like a flight attendant, he's a photographer. Jake's is a bass player, which that's such a stereotypical thing. Like I liked it. He's a bass player in a band that has never made an album and doesn't plan on making any. Yeah. So He travels a lot, too. So he travels a lot, and they joke about how he only plays the same three chords over and over and over <laughs> again. Um, and Briggs is an astronaut, as we find out, when... Uh, he tried when uh, Mike tries talking to a girl and he's failing miserably because he went with the whole choose something she won't know about. And he says he's a PGA pro to a golfer. And she's like, oh, you know about this? My dad was one of those. I practically grew up on a golf course. <laughs> Bravo, Mike. Bravo. But that girl, we, we had to say she had Pocahontas braids. Nobody wears their hair like that anymore. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm serious. I wouldn't know. That girl, was, that girl was not going to be the last of those two guys. But I did find it interesting that Mike and Briggs were into the same girl, if in a roundabout way. Mm, I guess they are, because Mike, Mike it, that is a kind of good connection, because Mike is the Briggs of the past before he went. But the girl said that she gave Briggs the wrong number. Briggs said, didn't call her back. So, who knows? Maybe she did give him the wrong number. He didn't even try it. That's true. So... He walks up to the bar to pay his tab after the girl walks away because she's avoiding Briggs. And, oh, your tab's already been paid by that guy. Which, yes. I mean, we'll go into this a little bit more, but the FBI is under suspicion that Briggs is skimming off the top. Yep. So Briggs just throwing money around, picking up the tabs for everybody, maybe just furthers in Mike's mind that that's possibly what's happening. 
So since there's a relevant to the plot point, whenever Mike makes a brilliant move in this time, we'll just go into it really, really quickly. His shrink slash case office manager, controller guy, meets with them. And, and Mike, wisely enough, says, I want a little bit of details. I want to know. What's up with this? Why am I investigating my roommate? They want my reports to be more detailed, but I can't do it. His controller says, go to Starbucks. And so that's when he gets a little tiny shred of what they're looking into. Maybe Briggs is skimming off the top. Yeah, so this is a very, like, suspense, not really suspenseful, but bump, bump, bump. Right. Like, oh, Briggs is paying a bill, but how is he paying all these people's tabs? So. But the thing about it is, I feel like that's not it. That is not all that's gone into it. They oh. would not send their top agent to investigate another agent if it was just for skimming off the top. Oh, yeah, they would They would not. There's a lot going on, and we got a little bit of that later in the episode, too. Um, so going back into the other thing we're going into with Lauren. So Briggs tells Lauren, back off. Like, this is done. Like, you straight up showed your face to this guy. Like, back back the F off. And she's like, oh, well, I'm going to I'm gonna go back into the place where... Um, what's his face is and Kusinov and just, you know, hang out and try to get some more information. So she does. The driver's on the other side of the glass, of course, while she's there. I, I don't think the other teens knew that she was going back in. Oh, no, they didn't. No, no, she just did it. She just she did just it. threw a red lipstick on, threw a Russian accent on, and went back. It's kind of funny how stupid Kusinov is, though. He's so open with her. Like, this just shows how deep undercover she was, mm-hmm. that the fact she can just walk in, be there 30 seconds, and he's already told her, we got the Lambos in the warehouse in Woodland Hills. Like, this is what's going on. We're still going to kill that Donnie guy. I know, right? Hello, Lauren. This is the, this is the update. Here's the status updates in the minutes from our last meeting. Here, we need spark notes. <laughs> Give it to Lauren. <laughs> so there we go. She she walks out. She's very like fast paced walking out and the driver sees her and then he turns and says, nice ass. It was it was a good moment. I liked how they played that because you could see the fear on her face. Get the heck out of Dodge. And she shuffles out quickly and he lingered. We didn't know why. So so that that was quite possibly my favorite moment of this episode. Just how it could go from suspenseful to hilarious so quickly and flawlessly. It was good writing. Yeah, it was it was it was nice to watch it. And it was nice to see it play out. So the writers would probably be pretty happy with how that I know, how right? that was filmed. Um, so going back, why we brought up the, the payment thing is because that was, that's what was going on that night and Lauren was nowhere around in the bar. Lauren was gone and nobody knows where she is. And then the next time we see her is with Briggs and she has a black eye and she's totally playing it off, like walking by like, Oh, don't talk to me. And then he pulls her aside. Oh, where'd you get the black eye? She totally plays Briggs. She tells him that she snooped around the warehouse in Woodland Hills and she saw the Lamborghinis and she saw four guys and Kusinov caught her and gave her the black eye and he's like, all right, let's go. So he And it couldn't have been a bigger lie at all. That, it was it was it was like brilliantly executed. But how'd she get the black eye? We didn't fi- figure it out, right? I don't know. I think after this episode, she could go to anyone who watches the show and they'd gladly give it to her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was Steven through the television. But I was thinking about it like, can you give yourself a black eye? You can. And make it look like somebody else did. I I fell on a doorknob. (laughs) Whatever it was, it was good. At at a point in time, whenever he commented on her eyes, I believe that Briggs may have had feelings for her. If not, just thought of her as a sister in the house. Well, yeah, a sister in the house. Like, 
we we find out at the end too as well that Briggs is like, look, there's there's the job, and then there's the things that you meet in the job, but then there's the house, and the house comes before all else. So like he does he does believe what he says, and she mm-hmm. is part of the house. Like that become that comes over everything else, and that's why it's so unacceptable that he's that she used that against him. The fact that he views that way, and she just completely tramples all over that, puts everyone in danger, and almost jeopardizes the house well yeah i mean i mean let's let's go into it so after he motivated by this black eye and probably because he misses donnie that was his brother in the house too decides that they will go and raid this warehouse in woodland hills and this is the worst part about the episode because not only does lauren put the house in jeopardy she puts everyone in that mission's lives in jeopardy because she has not been in the warehouse she says there's four guys they walk in there's 40 there's not, I mean, there's not 40, there's like 15, 20. There's a lot of guys that like, you, we, the whole point was they go in, breach, restrain, and everything's good. They got the Lambos. I don't even think they were expecting to get Kusinov. What she is lucky, she is lucky there was even Lambos there. They could have went up there and like ran into a legal operation in a warehouse. Like that was a big risk on her part on so many levels. And she's just like desperate and reckless. Well, and plus the whole the political clout from organizing a raid like this. Yeah. Like organizing this without previous evidence. Like that falls on Briggs. Mm -hmm. If she's the one who goes to Briggs, says she has this and Briggs does it, it doesn't fall on her. It falls on him for putting his word out here that look, we, we have evidence that this is here. Oh, it's not there. Well, what, what the hell now? By the way, we discussed this last week. If Briggs is the boss of everybody. And then we we got a ton of comments. People commented about this in the YouTube section more than anything else. So I asked one of the head writers, and he said, I quote, he's a senior officer, the de facto father of the house. So then him being a writer used a word like de facto, had to look that up. It means not official, but there. Yeah. So he is not the official boss of the house. He's just like the one that they all look to because he's a senior officer. He's the cool kid of class. Everyone so follows him. So I say we're both right. All right. We can both be right. He's the half. He's the de facto leader of the house. But you're right. This would have fallen on Briggs' shoulders. So Johnny almost gets stabbed to death. Yeah. That, he gets sliced. It, he has the knife above him. His buddy covers him, knocks him out. And that was in where they were supposed to find cover because they saw four guys. They saw, like, even they saw seven guys. But then they're like, okay, your cover's clear to the back. They go back there. There's more people in between the cement rolls. Like, yeah, there's, 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 just, a, there's just Russians everywhere. Yeah, and that was kind of funny. They were drinking white Russians at the bar afterwards. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty good. So after this raid, we get uh, Briggs pulls Kusinov aside. He zip ties him, pulls him aside. He's like, no, I got some things to talk to you about. And he's about to punch him, and he looks at his hands, and his hands have nothing. Yeah, his, his hands are baby smooth. They haven't even hit a woman. They look like butter. They, yeah, smooth as butter. In fact, they, he probably does some sort of moisturizing. That's how smooth they were. And Briggs realized right then, Lauren is lying to me. Lauren is breaking trust in the house. All of our lives were put in jeopardy right now. So here is the hypocrisy of Briggs, though. Yes, yes, Let me throw this out to you. So Lauren used Briggs. That's unacceptable. Right. Briggs used Paige. To, oh, yeah. Because as soon as he saw, as soon as he saw Kusinov's hands didn't have bruises, he knew that Lauren had never been there. He knew Lauren 
was never caught by Kusinov, and Kusinov never hit her. He knew all of this information is just from seeing the hands. And he never told anyone. The only person he told was Lauren at the end. Mm-hmm. So when this whole conversation he has with Paige is completely bullshit. But the, him playing Paige is completely different because the way that he played Paige, maybe he ruined a few hours on her Saturday. Lauren put half the team's lives in jeopardy and the entire operation in jeopardy. You're right, though. I'm not on Briggs' side on this one. I think he's like a total two-faced hypocrite. But at the same time, Herson was much worse. Well, he had to justify it because he justified the whole house against Lauren. In this aspect of getting Paige to do this, he justified Mike against Lauren. He justified Paige against Lauren. Anyone else who heard about the mission they were doing justified him against Lauren's for him getting kicked out. Nobody's going to fight him on it mm-hmm. because she put them in jeopardy. Aside from this, she hasn't really put them in jeopardy. But Lauren? Be- yeah. Aside from the, the breaching. Right. But like she didn't put Graceland in jeopardy. Right. Yeah. But because he creates this fallacy and it's brilliant because he suggests it. And I wasn't even thinking of it at the time. Like at the time, I was like, he really believes this. Like, Wait a second. Yeah, like, he we, knows. Were, we were talking about it while we were watching the episode. And we're like, those, they're jumping to all the wrong conclusions. I didn't realize that we were all, Paige included, getting duped by Briggs because he had been spited. Yep. So he, he knows it. He sets her up. He says, um, she could, she, that one of, the, one of those Lojacks could have went on our car. And Paige says that, okay, well, first things first, we, we're going to find Paige. Second thing second, I'm going to call the DEA. Of course, Paige is, I mean, uh, Lauren is a DEA agent. So calling the DEA is calling her superior is what Paige was meaning mm. in that time. Um, well, I say we come back to the, to the big twist at the end and go over the other awesome things and the other plot lines that happened in this episode. Because the, the thing that happened in the end was, was kind of major. Okay, we can do that. So how about Charlie? Charlie's, Charlie, okay. I didn't like any of the females on the show. As of episode three, I like Charlie. She might be my favorite person in the house. Okay, we can knock out Charlie in like five minutes. So Charlie's let's... Charlie. Okay, so Charlie is as a DE agent as well. Yep. And she, we learned in this episode, has an intimate relationship with druggies that turn on other bad guys, with people that sell information to the government. She has to get close with them. She's she's an undercover DEA. I think she's DEA. Yeah, she's yeah, definitely DEA. undercover DEA. So she gets she she's in bed with the druggies and she turns the druggies because she knows what they do once she busts them. And Whistler was who she's working with this episode. And he, like Felix from episode one, is one of those druggies that we really feel for. Like we grew attached to them. And that's my that's one of my very favorite things about Graceland so far is that they have a way of making these bad guys really sympathetic. Well, I mean. Honestly, the the American system on drugs is slightly flawed. It's a oh, it's a self slightly flawed or fatally it's, it's flawed. It's fatally flawed. It's a self fighting system, and well, not a self fighting. It's a self killing system. Like it it ruins people's lives in a way that people don't get help. They get trampled upon. Yeah, and they get thrown into worse situations because of it. So like this is a guy who could have been something, but I mean. He's a meth head. Meth is a very, very addictive drug. I'll go. We got to be honest here. If he was a meth head, he would look worse than that. Have you seen those images of meth heads? After three years, they look like they've aged 10 to 15 to 20 years. Yeah, but once you're, once you're a, P, uh, what is it called? Once you're an undercover cop with the police, it, you, you can't 
But like, he was still getting, we learned, like, he, he was still getting high all the time. Yeah, it's just, I don't think it was meth. I think it was something else. Okay, well, whatever it was, like, he's living with his sister. He's making these gorgeous dollhouses for his niece, but it's not enough. It's not enough. He's a druggie. The mom can't have him around her daughter, even if it is her brother. He's kicking her out. So he is desperate for cash. And regardless of the fact if he was desperate for cash, he found a big deal. He found a big, giant meth deal going down with a dude from Chino that was going to be worth $500,000, and he was going to get 20% of it. Yeah, so Sam Catonia is a big-time, big-time druggie, big-time drug dealer, and Whistler got a hookup with him. Whistler's like, okay, we can make this deal happen. You can take down Catonia. We can knock this out. I can make my 20, 20%. Oh, can I get 25? No, it's 20%. You're already getting 100 grand. Like, I was thinking like 20% of I know, like, I something was too. else. And I'm like, he gets 100 grand. Like, this drug guy gets 100 grand for doing And he's so broke. No, he's just wasting away all his money on drugs. And he's probably not even paying taxes. So... We but the see- thing I always keep track of, because it's driving me nuts where are they located in Southern California. They're trying to keep it ambiguous, but I really want to know. They talked about Chino and Woodland Hills, and I think they showed a shot of downtown tonight. So last episode, I thought they were somewhere in Orange County. Now I'm leaning like they're a coast up here. Maybe like Venice. <gasps> they're definitely in Venice. We'll mm, see. They might be Venice. I think they're probably more towards Malibu or even Hermosa. Um, Californian talk. Listen I know. To us. All of us from Southern California really want to know what it is. The rest of them are like, I'm sorry, aren't Orange County and Los Angeles the same place? So we, <laughs> we get the team set up for the deal with, with Catonia. Uh, Whistler, Whistler decides that he's going to try to make his cut bigger by raising the price. On the spot. During the secret drug deal operation. If there's anything you've learned from <laughs> any movie, any TV show, anything that has to do with drug deals... Do not renegotiate before the deal. Hey, I've already paid you, but you know what? I want to pay you less. Yeah, that really goes over well. You, I want you to pay me more. That goes over even better. See, the thing about it is, like... I'm surprised he didn't pull his gun and try to shoot him. I know. They probably didn't even have the money then at the, at the time. Yeah. What are they going to do? Pull out another duffel bag with another hundred grand in it? Yeah, it's like you don't, you don't buy something off Craigslist, show up with like $80. You show up with like what you want to pay for it. I know. If you bring any extra, you're going to accidentally get robbed. There like, you go. The thing about it is this was a bad move on Whistler's part. And it's another theme that we're seeing in the show that desperate people make dangerous decisions. That's what Lauren did. That's what Whistler did. And whether he was high at the time of this or not, like, we saw it written all over Charlie's face. Like, I got to have a team of people I trust. Can't trust him anymore. So Charlie saves the deal, says the line, and let's make this thing happen. And they move in, take everyone, start fighting it out. They throw him in the cars, and he's like, yeah, I was just trying to. He's I was- like, you set me up. Did I sell it? Did I sell it? It's like She's like, you blew it. You're not an agent. Right. You're not an agent, dude. Like this is this is my life in your hands. You don't f- you don't mess with my <laughs> life when we're in this. So she goes and sees him the next day, and he's like, "Oh, where's my check? Where's my check?" And she says, "I'm I'm done. I'm breaking up with you, Whistler. Basically, it's you're too you. risky. It's not me. It's you. No. It's, and he's like, "Did you fight for me?" And she's like, "I gave it all I had. Something like that, right?" It, it was it was literally, "I gave it all I had. 
no, I didn't. She's like, absolutely not. I basically made the call myself the second you did that. But whatever it was, like, we saw a very compassionate moment from Charlie. She, both Stephen and I thought whenever she picked him up and she didn't have his check, we both thought she was taking him to rehab, which honestly would have been a fantastic decision. But what was even more brilliant is that she took him to a little fixer-upper. Yeah, and he's like, he's a carpenter. If we can SoCal talk a little more, a hundred grand in this town not going to get you a shack. But regardless, we'll go with it. She takes him to a fixer-upper because he has a passion and a talent for woodworking. And we see it right there. In the house, he's pointing out things he can fix and different parts of the architecture that he loves. It was a great moment. It felt like a show. Yeah! <laughs> no, no, Move no, in a bad way. Bus. In a bad way. What do you mean it felt like a show? It, it felt like... It felt like he was putting on a show for Charlie. Oh, from so the, from the moment he arrived at the house, he he wasn't going to buy the house. Like I, I was just like, uh, I mean, he's not going to buy the house. He's going to buy. Okay, meth. so you're saying he felt like he was faking. Oh, he was faking that whole. I thing. I didn't think it at all. I I mean, I, okay, I knew he wasn't going to buy the house. I just like it's one of the things is like drugs are addicting, and you're not going to make good decisions when you're on them, and and all you think about is the drugs, and even a hundred thousand dollars doesn't seem like enough to you. But I really felt like he did love the house, and he saw he saw the potential in it. I don't think he saw himself worthy of it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like people who are in that position, they don't. They they are like the worst critics of themselves. Like they are not worthy of anything because they feel like everyone hates them. Like even mm-hmm. if nobody hates them, it's like they feel that way because they feel that way about themselves because they're so dependent on something they hate. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's tough. I've 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 dealt with family members who have been through drug abuse like this, and it's it's really a tough thing to get out of. Yeah, and it's because. The people you care about are your friends, but when all your friends are doing this, it's like really hard to not do it, and it's really hard to just ditch all your friends and never do it again. And the one thing that can make you feel better physically is the one thing that's killing you. Oh my god, I gotta tell so. you, withdrawal terrible. I was on painkillers for for like a for surgery. Hmm. I took them for like ten days, went off of them for like four days, just because I was like worried that I was becoming dependent. Oh, it's terrible. I, I mean, I felt like I was gonna throw up, like. All day for four days. Like, it was headaches, everything. I've never been through withdrawal, but I have watched a bit of Dr. Drew and Celebrity Rehab. You can die from withdrawal. That's how severe it is. Seizures, vomiting, heart attacks, that can all happen just from withdrawal, just from trying to quit. And that's not even talking about the emotional reliance on it. And that's also a good point that he made when he's like, rehab doesn't do it. And he's right. Rehab does not work for all people. Like, he's someone who has to always be doing something. And all doing they do something. is talk. I think that's why she got in the house. They well, yeah, gave him exactly. something to do. It gives you something to do to keep your mind off what your body wants. So, but, so she says, all you got to do is call in the house. Is yeah, yours. just call. She, she even pulled some strings for him. She called a realtor. She got a druggie, a house. Nobody could get a house right now. It's a seller's market, and we all know it. So, Done. But, well, so, yeah, she drives past the house and another family is buying it. Yep. So he, Mr. Whistler, adieu. But uh, in my opinion, Whistler, fun character, I, I do like getting close to these druggies for some reason. But most of all, I really felt like this developed Charlie's character. She has probably worked with, been around, experienced so many different drug people who lie to her face, and yet she's still optimistic. She still went the extra mile because that is not in her job description. Well, from the first episode, we saw that she's very optimistic, yeah. and this is another this is another example of what uh, Joe was telling us about her coming into this mother figure character, mm-hmm. and she's kind of being like 
this responsible one. She's she. I mean, she wants to help these people, but I mean, it, it, you can't help everyone. You can't help somebody who's not going to help themselves. At the same time, she tried, and just the fact that she tried, and the fact that she drove him to the house, picked this up for him. Uh, she this to me solidified her character as my favorite female on the show, if not my favorite character. So that's what's going on there. Um, we already went into the scene with Mike talking to his uh, control officer. Um, let's see. What are we mi- What are we missing? So let's go back to the bar. Whenever, oh yeah, the- when uh, there's so it's like the second or third. These people frequent dive bars in SoCal like six times an episode. How fun for them! Yeah, it feels like me. Work hard, play hard. <laughs> so they're they're in the bar and. Wait, this is after the successful takedown of the Russians. Yes, they're, ce- they're celebrating. And we learned that Johnny's fine. I mean, he's, he's got what he thinks is a very nice-looking wound on his arm that's going to get him chicks. Because what's so funny about them is that they're motivated by not, you know, failing their well, it's cover. it's a story. It's they're, a story. Like, but, but, the, no, this is what I'm saying. When, I'm, when they're at work, they're all about, like, taking down the bad guys and not losing their cover. When they're at the bars, they're all motivated by hooking up. Yep. You know, Without that, like, the cover. It, it's just like a big shift for the new goals of the evening. And so Paige, being slutty and just like making me dislike her even more, was like, well, I'm going to get laid, Mike, and it's not going to happen. Or I want to hook up with somebody and it's not going to happen if you're standing next to me. Mike wants a break. Mike is stressed out. And not to go into spoilers, but it's getting to him. The job is getting to him. Yeah. So He she, wants a break. She She wants to hook him up with this. Cute, cute actress. Yeah, Steven, that's Steven's type. If anybody out there has, uh, you know, thick hair, doe eyes. Beep, beep. <laughs> so. thank, thank you for the promotion, <laughs> Julie. But anyway. no, this girl was pretty and she was giving Mike googly eyes. Mike's not interested. He needs a break. He wants to hang out with his friends tonight. Paige goes and whispers in her ear, out of all the guys in the bar, that one's real. Yeah, and that was kind of funny. I know, right? Because that's like such a... such. Such the thing to make Mike feel really guilty. I know. Right before they kiss. Like, yeah, I'm the most real. Hey, let's kiss now. So this girl, and I, I mean, she looked more wholesome than the rest of the people on the show. More wholesome than the extras. More wholesome than the people in Graceland. I had a feeling. Wait, she, is... she looked more wholesome than Paige? Oh, God. <laughs> Paige, miss, what ways can we make her look super fun and flirty? Yeah. Anyway, what ways can we put her in a bikini top at 10 a.m.? Regardless. She comes Frisbee. over. <laughs> it turns out that this girl, whose name is Abby, and Mike have a lot in common. She's from Maryland. He's from Virginia. They both order mattresses, which I forgot to look it up. They're a drink. Yeah, I forgot to look it up, too. Oh, well. She, yeah, and she, we, we learned when they're walking on the beach the next morning that she has also, like Mike, been incredibly focused on her career. I don't really believe it, but she said since nine, and her dad encouraged her to take a summer off, experience the beaches before going to law school. Put her toes in the Pacific Ocean. Exactly. Which I still haven't done yet, and I've lived here for two years. Um, I think I know what your plans are later tonight. <laughs> a mattress and a dip in the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> Somebody's got to live here, am I right? we got to find that doe-eyed girl between now oh and then. Oh, my God. Okay. But, so, so, so they're walking in the beach, and, and here's the thing, Stephen. I think... That one of the hardest things that Mike's going to go through through this episode is is going to have to be to break up with Avi for the sake of his job. I just like I think this is serious. She looked at him. Are you real, Mike? They kiss. I think she's too obvious. You think no? Why? No, I think she's too obvious. Like she was too obviously after him and obvious to go with him the whole night. I think it's going to turn out that she's somebody. She's another cop. 
You think? I think we're going to find out she's another cop. Probably not by the end of this season, but for the second season or maybe by the end of the season. That would be a fun twist. Either way, Abby's here and I like it. I like that the love interest isn't in Graceland. Isn't Paige. It's not right. Charlie. I like that there's, a, that there's another female at the center of the story right now and it's a love interest. But at the same time, is she? Is she around to stay? Is this a summer fleeing? Does Mike have to sacrifice this relationship on the altar of being a cop? So we didn't get too much of Jake's this episode. Not too much. Jake's is, Jake's is a grumpy pants. I only like Jake's whenever he's being a Jamaican guy. Oh, what did I write down that was like the greatest line about Jake's? I wrote down, I wrote down something whenever they were toasting um, green amnesia. Yeah. Uh, Johnny said, living, lying, and loving. I think that's going to become a, a thing that they say on Graceland. Living, lying, loving. Living, lying, loving. Yeah, that's, that's going to be... I think they've said it in the, like, that's like an overlying theme of the whole. Well, while you're looking for that, I, I do want to mention Serial Buddies is out. It's hysterical. you got to get on that because Maria Menounos and Kevin Undergaro team together to make this fantastic, hilarious movie. And once you're done watching that and have watched this show, please give us five stars on iTunes because we've already gotten a considerable amount of five stars. You guys made us feel really good. And contribute to the conversation on YouTube as well. You know what I can tell, Stephen? What can you tell? The fans of this after show are harsh. They're not giving us any breaks on anything. They're like holding us to things. Actually, the fact that I just said like, somebody criticized that. But to be really honest with you guys here, I would rather have far too intensive fans than far too lackadaisical and not smart fans. I got to say, though, you can like our YouTube video. <laughs> no, but I do, we do really appreciate the comments. We really appreciate all the followers we've got and the people who tweet with us on the show. Um, I, I, love, I love smart fans. I just got to keep my A game going here because they're going to be intense. Next week, we will, uh, we will try to write down some, as the Hannibal podcast likes to call them, tickety-tickety. And that's the, <laughs> that's the people who comment on the YouTube. We'll kind of try to give you guys a shout out. Tickety-tickety. But uh, let's go. We only got about five minutes left. So we need to jump into the climax. The climax of Graceland. Right. And there was a moment when they kissed on the beach where Stephen said, is that the end? And I said, no, I don't think so, because this show has a way of bringing it home in the last few minutes of the episode. Okay, well, let's bring it home right now. Lauren is kicked out of Graceland. But here's the brilliant thing about it. Ooh, ee, oh, oh. Okay, how do we do this quickly? Okay. Mike put his hand on Briggs's credit card. He did it. That was just Mike's smartest move of the season. Pressed it really hard, hard enough that he could see the numbers on his hand. Took a picture of it to save for later. Yes, that, that was brilliant in my, in my opinion. Mike is a good, good spy. So he runs the numbers. He's trying to keep up on bricks. He's taking this one straw of information that he has from his superiors that he might be skimming off the top. So he pours through his financial records. Yep, he, go, he uses the FBI computer, goes through the, goes through the credit card, finds out that he went to Terry's Auto Parts, which at first I thought that was the place from the first episode where they were meeting the Zirconi Russians. And it might be. I think it is. I think it might be because, again, the Russians, you brought up, the Russians said, we have people on the inside. So Briggs might actually be a little bit deeper into them. So, mm -hmm. Or maybe he just shops at, there. The guy at the Terriato shop place looked a little creepy, too. So he's like, oh, well, what did he buy? He bought this. It's a GPS device. $537 seems pretty, pretty expensive for it. But... Oh, so, wait, we didn't even, we didn't even say this. When Mike and Paige were playing... 
frisbee to look for the tracking device on Lauren's Jeep. They, she threw the frisbee. It missed. Went under the Jeep. Brilliant. Went down there to search for it, and they found a GPS tracking device. Yeah. That well, made everybody jump to the conclusion that the Russians were onto her, onto them, possibly tracing it back to Yeah, this was, af- this was after Briggs' conversation yeah. with Paige saying that, oh, they could be tracking her. So Bridge, Briggs put that, put that idea in Paige's mind. So they find the tracking device. Paige, she's lucky that it wasn't tracking, blah, blah, blah. And she's lucky it wasn't transmitting because so, it was just a cheap tracking device. Um, so we find out that that's what he bought. And then Mike cleverly goes, talks to Briggs, and he's like, you know, I really don't think that, uh, think that they were tracking her. I think somebody else put that on her car. Because, you know, it just seems sloppy. The Russians would have this high-tech thing. It's like, mm-hmm. this is just something bought over the counter. And it's like, yeah, well, I can't, uh, I can't explain the stupid stuff that they do. Criminals. Briggs, Briggs didn't deny it for a second, though. He, he said, yeah, you know what? She was reckless. She was putting us all in danger. She almost I would, killed Johnny. He said, I would do it to you, too, if it came down to protecting Graceland. Yeah, she almost killed. She almost That's got Johnny house. killed. He's the pro facto father of the house. He's the protector of the house. So we learned that Briggs, again, takes the law into his own hands, gets Lauren kicked out of the house. And you know what? Sayonara, sister. Nobody's missing that girl. Yeah, and we did have a nice scene with Lauren and Briggs when they're saying goodbye. No, it wasn't nice to me because Briggs was betraying her. He was sending her on her merry way to Miami where her long-lost love was waiting for her. But in a way, it's kind of nice. Like, it is nice, yeah. She, she, she needed was, to go. She's self-destructive. She would have ended up dead. She's sending him over to where, she's sending her over where Donnie is, or as we called the the not cast for next season of oh. Miami. Oh, ouch! So she's she's like transfer to Miami, like get out of here, like don't be a stupid girl anymore, and you know live your life. Don't be don't be stupid. You're still in the DA. We, he didn't. Yeah, you didn't get fired because he could have done that. He could have mm-hmm. gotten her fired in a heartbeat. Um. So yeah, that's that's really the episode. So that's that's episode three, moving along very nicely, establishing itself as a show that can carry on so many stories at once. Cut the cheddar. News and gossip. Do 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 do. TV news. Do you have news, Julie? I do, but I have so many notes on here that I'm having a little bit of a hard time finding it. Oh. I just saw that uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Johnny might be getting some action in the next episode. Yes, Johnny is getting action in the episode. And here's the best part about it, after buzzers. Manny Montana is going to be a guest on our show next week. Boom! Woo! That's going to be really awesome. We're gonna- so, his Twitter handle is at Monty Montana. Please let him know you are so excited to see him, and hopefully we can get him to live tweet while he's screening with us. So please tune into the show next week to see us interview him, talk about the show, really break down the show with him. Um, and then we have some other guests that oh, are yes. coming back. Don't don't say names. No names yet. Okay. No names yet. But I did want to tell you my news and gossip. I forgot I screenshotted it. Okay. Mike really starts to feel the weight of the job in the next episode entitled The Pizza Box when he's recruited to teach a bunch of thugs working for a Nigerian drug lord how to use guns. Whoa. We're going to see a gun in a box. <laughs> it's one step on the road to a larger goal. And we could end the hour with blood on his hands. Meanwhile... Johnny gets a little action. All right, predictions. Okay, so. You're after Buzz. Ah, the lights. <laughs> um, Julie Parton. Predictions. Predictions. Okay, well, since we're so evenly split on this, I think I'm going to go with it. I think Abby is Mike's new girlfriend. Okay. And I think that is going to have to be Mike's first major sacrifice that this girl that he is falling for is going, he's going to have to. 
cut her off for the sake of the job. Okay. And as far as other predictions go, I mean, like, yeah, I'm going to say that desperate people do dangerous things, and we're going to continue to see that theme throughout the season. Okay, my predictions. We're going to see more of Mello and Eddie. Eddie's going to break... Um, oh, yeah, Eddie didn't die, like I thought. Yeah, Eddie's going to break Mike's cover, and Eddie's Eddie going to yeah. Eddie's going to tell Bello, and Bello's not going to believe him because he's going to check Mike's cover, and he's going to kill Eddie thinking that Mike... Thinking that uh, Eddie was is the one trying to set up Mike. Ooh, yes. Bello's gonna kill Eddie. Mike's gonna get off, but they're gonna get him out of this that out of this cover. And then we're gonna get probably Bello arrested within the next two episodes. Um, and Mike's gonna actually have to do something against his law. Like he's gonna have to do something that'll that'll put like they talk about he'll have heat on his back. I think that he's going to have to, like, do a drug deal or something to get in with these guys or do a gun deal to get in with these guys. That's, I don't know. I don't want to go too much into it. We'll chat in the YouTube comments because we've been responding. We've been talking to you guys. But if you're watching this on YouTube, we need you guys to go to iTunes and comment and rate because we got five stars. What's five more? And what's about, like, 50 (laughs) more five stars? I mean, come on. You love us. It's me. It's Julie. You can find me at S-T-E-P-H-E-N-L-E-M-I-E-U-X. Basically, at Stephen Lemieux on Twitter. Please follow me. Retweet me. Tweet at me about the show. And we'll chat. And Julie Parton! I'm Julie Parton. You can find me on Twitter at J-U-L-I-E-P-A-R-T-I-N. And don't miss next week when we're going to have the hilarious on screen and hilarious in person Manny Montana right here in the studio. Technically in three days. Tune in! All right. (laughs) From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later! The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 